Before we begin today's episode, we want to share a quick listener note that this episode does contain material that is not suitable for all ages. There will be descriptions of suicide, violence, and paranormal activity, so listener discretion is advised. Melody had spent all the morning trying to charge up our battery packs for our microphones. The minute we walked in here, she said they were drained of battery. And you said, well, that's nothing new, yeah, right? Spirits are made out of pure energy and the energy in the house. Anything that is electronic will, will be interrupted at times by the spirits. Welcome to the Art of Custom from Hibbs Homes. Sponsored by Pella Window and Doors and Ferguson Bath Kitchen and Lighting Gallery. It was a famously muggy St. Louis summer evening in June 1985. Patty Pointer and two waiters were seated at the bar after the last diners of the evening had left the Lip Mansion and Restaurant. They were chatting and decompressing when their conversation was stopped. All three felt a faint breeze and chills prickled up their spines. On impulse, they turned to see who had just walked behind them and saw that no one was there. This incident took place five years after Life Magazine included the mansion on their list of America's nine most haunted homes in America. And in the almost 40 years since that article put the mansion on some of the most eerie maps, the Limp Mansion in the city of St. Louis has appeared on National Geographic, CNN Travels, Ghost Hunters, Ghost Adventures, and more. I've got chills, and we haven't even started the podcast. That disclaimer alone at the very top was so unusual because you and I are usually laughing and joking, and and then we get into a serious mode when we're talking about new construction builds and custom homes and all. But we really did want to do something fun because this is the Halloween season, and it's it's a really cool old mansion 30 minutes from our offices in the St. Louis area. You had a great idea to go down there and tape this podcast. Why did you come up with it? It's about a house. It's a story about a house. Yeah, but it's a scary house. It is, but it's absolutely beautiful. It is. The ornate construction, Mm -hmm. you know, all all the carvings and as spooky as it is, people do go there to get married. And one of my good friends actually was married there. So, you know, it's... Oh, it's very famous in this area. It really is. And I can almost imagine back to the, you know, June of, uh, of 1985 when Patty Pointer and those waiters were there. You know, you feel this breeze, you turn around and, and nobody's there. But yeah. that happens all the time. And that's why all of those, you know, paranormal hunters will show up at this mansion. Yeah. And you do a a Google on St. Louis, you do a Google on haunted houses, and it shows up quite a bit. So. It does. But the pointers didn't really know that whenever they purchased it. <laughs> so, Do you really notice things like that, though, until, yeah. until you really live there and get to know it? I was reading a really interesting article the other day about the disclosures that you need to make. There are certain periods of time, you know, like with these famous haunted houses mm-hmm. and, you know, the Amityville house. People still live in that Amityville horror house. So I don't know. It's just kind of cool that, you know, when so much time has passed, too. I mean, it was a boarding house before the mm-hmm. winters um, purchased it as well. So. And even when we were down in the Lemp Mansion, there was there was one particular incident that, that kind of spooked me a little bit because of a noise that was made while we were doing the interview. I love how you set up our guest. You said uh, she is one of the most sensational souls associated with the Lemp Mansion. She was just such a treat to spend time with, and she's been there for 
couple of decades now guiding tours through this haunted mansion, and she just has a blast with it. She was wonderful to right. hang out with, and I can't wait for our listeners to hear. Betsy, it is such a pleasure to be here at the Lemp Mansion. Obviously, being a St. Louisan, know a lot about it. Scary, scary. scared, scared yeah. to be here. And <laughs> I've already walked in, you're talking about suicides, you're talking about Halloween, you're talking about this is, this is the perfect time of year it has to be to oh, visit the Lemp Mansion, right? Yes, it is. Uh, although a lot of people think that the Lemp Mansion is only haunted in October. Oh, no. But it's haunted <laughs> all the time. So and don't you host events year-round, too? Yes, we yeah. do. Yeah, we do a lot of events from weddings mm -hmm. uh, out in the outside, beautiful gazebo out there. To, well, like this this month, we're having the Halloween Bash, which is one of the biggest Halloween parties in the country. I can only and, you know, it's it's a thousand people sometimes, three bands and food and drink, and it's so much fun. So the actual building, the house, the mansion that we're in, was actually built in 1868. Yes. Talk about the history, a little bit about why it was built and, and how it helped kind of build up this neighborhood, if you will. Ah, yeah, it sure did. Uh, although it was a pretty affluent label, uh, label neighborhood when, <laughs> when, they, when they started because mm -hmm. there was a lot of wealthy people. In fact, it was called Millionaire's Hill when Adam Lemp's uh, son, who was William Jacob Lemp, built this house. And we're just south of the city of St. Louis. We are, yeah. we are. But that was the country back then almost, you yes. know. Although it was still starting to be built up by then. When Adam Lemp, who was a patriarch of the family, came in the 1830s, he had a grocery business, and then, but he wanted to have a brewery uh, because that's what he had done in Germany. He was a brewmeister. Okay. And so eventually he closed the business, opened up a brewery about where the Gateway Arch is, actually. Oh. Yes, it was called the Western Brewing Company. Well, then that got too small for them because they were just so popular. Their beers were because he had introduced uh, something called German lager beer. Mm -hmm. Now, a lager beer is like what Budweiser is or that effervescent amber. Uh, beers that we all know and love and so he introduced that got so popular pouring money in and so forth so they decided to look for a, a bigger space that's how this part of the city came into, to be it, it was an immense place and there was a cave system underneath it to store the big lagering tanks which you have to keep cold mm -hmm. well Adam Lemp had died so his son William had taken over William Jacob Lemp he changed the name of the brewery right away. <laughs> and now it's the William J. Lemp Brewery Company. Started this expansion that lasted till he died in, in uh, 1904. Okay. And so now that's what we see down the street from us here. And then this house, was, as you said, was built in 1868 to house his family and so forth. So I'm going to back up just a little bit because I introduced you as Betsy, but you have a beautiful last name. And I don't, I wouldn't do it justice by pronouncing it so your last name is well my last name in england in the americas in the united states is burnett belanger right but if you that's boring but that's boring <laughs> so if you say burnett belanger <laughs> that is lovely and you said you've had a love affair with this uh the building ever since you can remember as yes i did what was it about the man oh it scared the daylights out of me i would go right. by here and it'd be spooky and you know i i was born in 1949 so i was too young to do it then right. <laughs> after a few years you know, I'd go by here for different things, or we'd go. Now, the highway, Highway 55, which is right outside mm -hmm. our door here, was built in 1960. So we would go up there, and I'd see that building, and I'd, oh, I just got to know more. Then, in, in the 70s, after the Pointers, who own the house now, uh, purchased the house, and they wanted a 
an elegant restaurant, but they eventually they wanted to have a bed and breakfast in and everything, and they've succeeded in all of that. But in the beginning, they had a cool little cozy restaurant in the basement, and right. it was called the Rascaller. And then I, when I could drink, <laughs> then I was in there going for a happy hour or something, and I wanted to go upstairs. <laughs> First opportunity I had, I was up here, you know, uh, talking to the bartender who is one of the Pointer brothers, and. Uh, just exploring as much as I could. Then I got a call, and uh, they asked me to be a tour guide. Oh. And it was a kind of a funny <laughs> tour guide because I dressed as a, a kind of a, a German maid, not a little maid, but a maid. You gave, and me, your, I, you gave me your accent a minute I ago. Did, what, I said, what that? my name is Berta Buxtehul. Come on <laughs> into the lemon. We go on a tour, you know. And I, that's not German <laughs> accent at all, but it worked, you know. I did that for a couple years, and then it was so hard because so many people love their chicken dinner. It's an all-you-can-eat chicken dinner and roast beef and ham. And, and that's on Sundays. That's on Sundays, mm -hmm. every Sunday for the last 45 years. That's kind of why we're here, a couple of reasons. First of all, we have a podcast called The Art of Custom. We're custom home builders, but you know what? Secret between us, I really love old homes because oh. my wife and I got started in this business by by renovating old homes in South St. Louis over on Juniata. We took a, an old four-family flat, turned it into a single-family home, and, wow. and we did some projects over in, uh, in a couple of other areas of the downtown St. Louis area. We absolutely loved working in this community. And so we got into new construction, but you don't see homes made the way they're made today. So I'm gonna be looking at some of the architecture as we walk around here okay. and kind of you know geeking out on that. But I'm standing in, this was an office, right? We've come in the front door and this is um, immediately to the left and this is an office. And the first thing you told me was, this is where one of four suicides took place in the mansion area. Three inside and one outside? One in a different home. In a different home, okay. Mm -hmm. You need to start telling me this because yeah. it is Halloween uh, season after all. <laughs> yes, so this is. is the time to start spilling the goods. Yeah, <laughs> spilling the goods. Uh, in 1904, Billy became president of the brewery. And he was uh, president of the brewery and things were looming in the forefront that he knew that prohibition was going mm -hmm. to be a fact and so forth. So he took that personally. He said, the government's out to get me. And this was his office. He suffered a lot from a lot of illnesses and he was hospitalized a lot. So on the morning of his suicide, he had about in June of that same year, 1922, he had auctioned off the brewery complex mm -hmm. and he took such a loss in it the brewery complex at that time was worth about seven to ten million dollars. That's a lot. Back that's in a the lot day. of money, yeah. and he sold it for five hundred eighty-eight thousand oh. dollars. I think that's probably what destroyed him eventually. I mean, he had already suffered a lot of pain and losses of it, both of his parents and his sister had had supposedly committed suicide uh, in nineteen twenty. He was uh, probably pretty much depressed over the whole. Mm -hmm whole everything that was going on for him. So on the morning of his suicide, he came in here, he had a conversation with his secretary, and then a phone conversation with his second wife. His first wife was Lillian Handlin, and she's also known as the Lavender Lady. And his second wife was a, an older woman by the name of Ellie Kohler. And uh, she had known Billy since he was a little boy. They probably had a pretty good marriage, you know, kind of a stabilizing marriage mm -hmm. for him. But then after that conversation, he pulled his chair over to the fireplace. He opened up his vest and his shirt, and he shot himself in the heart. Oh. It was such a violent shot, though, that it threw him to the floor. So when everybody rushed in here, he was already gone. There wasn't a note, although it wasn't 
unexpected. Right. You know, he had been suffering quite a bit. You know, Melody, it's interesting because the office is now a dining room for bed and breakfast and chicken dinner guests, and it, it still has the original beautiful Italian marble mantle that was uncovered when uh, Richard and Patty Pointer purchased the renovated home all the way back in 1975. Right, and, you know, Betsy's going to tell us a little bit about how it was a boarding house mm -hmm. um, between the time when the Limps owned it and when the Pointers purchased it. She calls it a sad period, a dark period in the home's history. It's She's so connected to this house. It's she so is, cool. yeah. What I think is really interesting is I was going through the audio files, though, and there was actually a whole discussion that we had before we went from the office <laughs> into the parlor, and I made the joke. It was the story of Charles Limp, yeah. and I made the joke because we kept unplugging on accident. I was like, I, you know, he doesn't want us to tell his story. As I got back to pull the audio files, that is the one that was completely missing, and I could not rebuild completely missing, but the other audio files are just fine, and right. they sound great. But if you also remember, when we walked in there, you had purposefully charged the recording device overnight, But the, and, it, and we're not making this up. I promise you we're not, but when you walked into the mansion, the battery was drained. Right, and I had to run out to my car and plug it into the wall. Yeah, we had to, and, and from room to room, we had to, to literally plug it in the in, into the electrical outlet. Right. So, you know, a couple spooky things happened. Again, coincidence, I don't know, but it's just kind of eerie, and it kind of adds uh, fuel to our fire, if I you know. will. <laughs> well, and now we get to go into the parlor with Betsy. And in this parlor, um, there are two beautiful carved mantles that are African mahogany. They're and, gorgeous. Yeah, and she talks about how, while during the, the period where it was a boarding house, it you know, they bought it, and it was covered in years yeah. and years of paint and just every time they stripped a, a layer away something new emerged from the history of this house and at the top there was a hand-painted mural it was absolutely gorgeous yeah. well so another kind of creepy story the guy who came in to restore this this mural his name was Claude Breckwold and he'd worked in several homes in the St. Louis area mm -hmm. painting these big murals. And, um, you know, the pointers bring him in to refresh what was actually covered in canvas because the limps did not like how the mural turned out. <laughs> so he's, he's laying on the scaffolding, you know, doing the whole thing, restoring. And he had knew nothing about the history of this home because keep in mind, it wasn't until 1980 when people mm -hmm. really knew you know, what was going on there. And he said he had this feeling that someone was standing out in the hallway watching him. He kind of dismissed it. And then it just got so intense that he just felt the urge to get out of there. And so did not clean his brushes, did not do anything with his equipment, ran out, didn't even lock the door behind himself and, and told the pointers, think you might have a ghost problem, guys. <laughs> so, um, but yeah. Betsy, uh, we sat down in the parlor with Betsy, and that's where you had your kind of spooky encounter. Mm -hmm. So uh, we'll let Betsy tell you a little bit more about the parlor. Now, this uh, one we see now was put in in uh, 1950, and that was after the lamps were gone. Right. And it was put in because um, it was a boarding house. It turned into a boarding house. Kind of a sad era for them and it was over 20 years that it was a boarding house so things suffered and even these mantles were covered with so much paint mm -hmm. that they didn't see the carving. so when did they restore it uh the pointers came in in the early part of the 70s like 1974 
and that's when, by 1977, they started opening up the restaurant. It was downstairs, eventually moved to this, uh, to this, this floor. The there we go, the parlor, <laughs> yes. So, uh, and this, actually, this was the bar area hmm. when they first opened up. It was a beautiful, long bar that went from that wall to this wall. Why was it important for them to restore the mansion? They actually, when they first bought it, they wanted it for uh, an investment as a restaurant. They thought this Again, we're talking real estate, real right? Real estate, real estate. We're, we got to tie it back into our podcast some way, somehow. There we go. And they looked at this and they go, oh, wow, that's that lamp mansion. They pulled up in front for an event. And so they got their way in here. And I was still the boarding house when they were considering it. And every room was filled with someone, mm -hmm. a transient person. Sometimes, sometimes people would stay for a few months and, and so forth. And eventually... They, they purchased it, and it wasn't a really big amount that they had to, to pay, but it was it was substantial, and they knew that they had a gold mine here. They did. So their goal was to open up that restaurant first, mm -hmm. this floor restaurant. So they started in the basement, as I said, and they moved up and up and up. Now they're on the third floor, and uh, I guess we could have a roof garden maybe, but that would be about <laughs> the extent of, of it. So they, um, they were hardworking people. And the, the father, whose name was Vic Pointer, and his sons and his daughters, I'm sure, pitched in and did all the rehabbing up here. Wow. Hmm. So they did it themselves. They did it themselves for it. the most part. They did have, you know, people that were uh, specialists in certain things. So, for instance, if you look up above us. Oh, that's really pretty. Uh, it's called Fresco Painting. Mm -hmm. And so they did have someone come in and uh, refresh that because it had been covered with canvas for so long, because William Lemp had it, to, he, he asked someone to paint it, he didn't like it, so he covered it up, and then they found it. The pointers did and went, oh my goodness, look at that. <laughs> so it's been refreshed a couple times, but it's still the same as it was back then. It is beautiful. It is beautiful. Um, so backing up to kind of the spookiness of, of this whole thing, we've talked about three of the suicides. There was four, and you said the other one took place upstairs? Upstairs. Nothing fun happened in this room or out of the ordinary? Just Well, this room w was the, the funerals for them. They, the casket was placed right there. And uh, at least it started out with the, one of the younger boys who died rather suddenly in um, 1901. In the house? No, he okay. died in California, oh. actually. He okay. had tuberculosis. So when they brought him back for burial, though, this is where he was. Then the next suicide was his father. Mm -hmm. He was laid to rest here, or uh, at least the visitation, So because he was such a, a popular man in St. Louis. And then Billy Lamp also, they used this, this room for his. Where do you hear from most of the, um, you're in the it's a media, communications, where does most of that happen? Anywhere. Uh, really, no anywhere, anytime. Anytime. I find uh, it's a little bit uh, quieter and a little easier sometimes to communicate on the third floor because I can close myself off a little bit and just be up there by myself for a, a long period of time. As I said, though, it's getting more difficult because the Lump Mansion is just getting more and more popular for people mm -hmm. to stay here, especially in October. When you say stay here, what do you mean by oh, that? Oh, there's uh, five bed and breakfast rooms that you can stay. Do people leave here? Something. Freaked out? In fact, I had a tour last night, and the lady was just, we were in one of the rooms, and she said we had, she had stayed in there with her husband, and they had such a terrifying experience in there. <laughs> and it I, my eyes were big as saucers listening to her story, and she said it was about 3 o'clock in the morning, and we just grabbed whatever we could, uh, not even shoes. She didn't even put her shoes on, and they, they left. 
I don't uh, begrudge anybody being a skeptic, though. Mm -hmm. You know, there's room for everybody. Yeah, I totally that. agree. So totally if, agree. if you think that even if you're uh, a staunch one, you can still find something to to enjoy about a tour or about talking yeah. to someone or just having a conversation. Because I run into that all the time, and I don't say, well, you're wrong and I'm right. <laughs> that isn't it at all. I always tell people I am not the be-all and the end-all in the paranormal world. <laughs> you know, right. I've done my research. I've done my homework. I've, I've been doing it for years and years and years, so I, I feel confident in it. But, mm -hmm. you know. The story she told, have you heard that same story before? Oh, no. Well, once. Once. I heard about this scream that they heard. They, saw, they were laying in bed watching television, and they, uh, something from the head of the bed came shooting out over their heads, a black form. And they were startled by it, and, and they didn't know what it was. And as they were gathering their stuff, whatever it was pushed her husband into a, a table. Hmm. And, uh, so they, and then it started screaming at them. But it was the loudest, like that, that they'd ever heard. They were terrified. Nice. And so they, and the last, the other time I heard was one of the, the managers, he's, he's been, he's been here since he was 14 years old because he's part of the Pointer family. And he and one of the other managers were leaving for the night and they heard that same screech. And they didn't know exactly what to do. Should we go up? Should we <laughs> I would have run just like they did. So they went up, <laughs> being good employees, they went up. And before they could get to where they thought it was coming from, it did it again. It was that scream. So, yes, they did. Just run. They couldn't have done anything. That's there the was nobody else in the house, so, you know. So there, there are the uh, shows on cable where they have paranormal, where they go in and do the readings. And I don't know what they're reading, energy. They've got these, meters. you know, meters and this and that. Have, has anybody ever come in here? Oh, and all the time. What, uh, what do they my, find? Any number of things. The first time when I was here, when I first started, the, the Travel Channel was yes. here. That was the first one. And since then, I've been involved in so many different shows, from National Geographic <laughs> to, you know, you name it. They've been here, the, the Ghost Hunters, which was my favorite one. Now, wait a minute. What's, what's wrong with the Art of Custom podcast? Oh, and the Custom podcast was the, the be-all. It was the best. <laughs> oh, the Ghost Hunters. Yeah, they, the Ghost you know, Hunters. They were just so wonderful, and they found... Were you they, here the whole time? I was their contact person, so I got to walk around with them. That's it cool. It was so cool. And we were all around, and I told them my stories. And they politely listened to me, you know, kind of patting me on the head. And then they come back the next day, and they have their experience. And they were having a lot of things happen. Now, these guys always look for a logical explanation first. Right. If something happens, if it turns cold, if something's moving, why did it do it? And then they go for the paranormal aspect. So they had the same experience I did. They validated oh. me. So when they showed me the video the next week, I was just like bouncing up and down. So head. you've seen actual video proof that things oh, yeah. are moving or yes. whatever it is. Uh -huh. And, and you've heard the audio? I've heard the did, audio. Did any of what you heard on the audio sound like maybe some of the voices who are talking to you? You know, not really. The one time that I heard, um, I have a, an audio recording of my own that during a radio broadcast here, that was a long time ago. It was their Halloween show, and we were on the third floor, and there's a, a spirit on the third floor by the name of Zeke. Now, Zeke is a little Zeke. boy. He was a, a child that was challenged. He was born to William and his wife, Julia. Now, they were in their 50s and 60s when he was born, and in 1904, which is when I think he was born, that's pretty old, yeah. you know, and, and especially with the prenatal mm -hmm. care and all that. So he had so many challenges. He was deformed, they said. 
So the kids in the neighborhood saw him in the windows upstairs and called him names and, and so forth. And, you know, he is, is one of the most tender-hearted spirits, you know, that um, he's just a little boy looking for his mother. And his mother, Julia, even though she did not die of suicide, uh, she is a spirit here. And she's looking Where for did him. she pass? And where did Zeke She pass? passed almost in the same room that her husband committed suicide. Oh, okay. But she died of cancer. And that was in 1906. So he was two years old. Hmm. And she continues to look for him. He lived here for at least two years. Okay. Um, when he was born until his mother died. And he was cared for by servants. And mm-hmm. they cared for him very special. He was a special boy. And they loved him. He had one servant care for him. Her name was Sarah. And she remained a spirit here for a long time. Now, he died from a fall. This is a, um, a vagueness for me because I, I saw a fall, but I can't bring it into focus enough to see if he fell downstairs. Here? The, I think it was here. Oh, okay. Or down a ladder or something like that. Because, or, as the elephant man, if you remember that story, mm-hmm. his head was so large and so was Zeke that he just laid down on a bed and he died. The elephant man did. It could have been that scenario. Did you hear that? I did hear that. Yes. Yeah, there was something that's... They're validating my story. Yeah, it was almost like a creaky, but Mm -hmm. a very deliberate. Um, You say spirits. How many spirits do we have in in the Lent Mansion? Well, it's always the world according to Betsy, you know. Of course. According to me, there are nine identifiable spirits. Okay. And uh, five of them are Lent family members. Four of them are not. Okay, interesting. And you say a lot of that activity takes place on the second and third floors? Um, yes, it takes, it's anywhere. Anywhere? Anywhere. Melody, I promise when I heard that large noise, I still to this day don't know what it was. It sounded like a crack, a pop, a bang, something. But, you know, my daughter was with us during the taping. She heard it. I heard her. I saw her eyes go wide. My eyes went wide. Betsy, of course, is kind of used to it. And I know you heard it, too. Something did occur. But again, I don't know if it's something that's just normal. But it was just rather interesting that that it happened while we were taping this interview with Betsy. Well, and Betsy had given a few different theories about what happened to um, the the child that lived in the home. And it was... It was the last theory. It just she she said, "Oh well, I guess I have my answer now," <laughs> and I thought that was so cool. It sounded almost like if you could imagine a marble, but in between yes. the walls. Yes, yeah, there you go, marble. Yeah, yeah exactly. It was, so yeah. just just kind of interesting. But from there, I remember. So we we've kind of taken a tour of the main floor, and then we got a chance to go upstairs. Right. And the upstairs is just like you would imagine from this old, historic, renovated mansion but only spookier. You think so? Yeah, I know so. Because remember, we walked up to the top of the stairs. Now, of course, it's Halloween, so they had it decorated. But there was this this glowing head right at the top of the stairs. And, <laughs> and of course, that uh, that's a little eerie as you start the tour of, of another area of the house where some violent endings took place. There were. And, you know, one of the coolest rooms in the house, though, is the Lavender Lady Suite. It was gorgeous. Yeah, and it was named for Lillian Limp, who actually didn't live in that room. She said it was a playroom for the kids. So there's this gorgeous suite that um, is kind of dedicated to brides. And Mm -hmm. a lot of brides will get married in there because they have this immense bathroom with 
big cloth tub and a lot of room to get ready in. And we build a lot of large homes, but to right. see the size of this bathroom and the marble and the tub and the shower and everything, it was rather remarkable for a building that was built that long ago. Well, and the Lavender Lady Suite is a little bit different in that it does have what Betsy called residue, but it's not quite as dark as the rest of the home. And so she has some neat history to share with that, too. Well, this is the beautiful lavender suite. I figured kind of by, by the, uh, the bedspread. And, and the lavender walls. And the lavender <laughs> <laughs> walls. Uh, this is named in honor of Lily and the Lavender Lady. Uh, she never lived in this house, though, and she actually didn't like it much to be here. Her mother-in-law, Julia, really didn't, didn't have a lot of affection for her. Mm -hmm. They named this room in honor of her. It's the most popular bed and breakfast room. It's the biggest. Mm -hmm. It has a sitting room. It has this lovely bedroom, and then it has the bathroom to die for. So... Uh, this room was the children's room, so there is a lot of what, what they call residue. It's like psychic residue or residual memory. It is a leftover, and it's like a, a tape of something being replayed, a loop of a tape, and it goes on and on and on and on. Now, it happens in all of our lives, but when, we, when it happens to us, maybe we're really excited, or God forbid, <laughs> something violent happens, and we exude a whole lot of energy. Whoosh, mm -hmm. There it is. Most of the time, it just dissipates and goes away, but sometimes that loop catches. And so we, we hear things, like if you watch a ghost show and, a, and they say every day there's a little girl turning cartwheels down our steps or something like that. If it happens that regularly, that precisely, it's probably just that residue, mm -hmm. a sound, a, a, a sighting of someone. It happens in this house quite a bit. We'll hear children crying or laughing. And it sometimes comes in this area, we hear cats meowing and dogs barking and the lemps were avid outdoorsmen but they loved their animals as with Charles particularly Mrs. Lemp Julia she had an affection for cats so we hear them we even heard a cat last night we heard one meowing it, it's pretty pretty wonderful actually I love it I'm an animal lover though that's the best part so am I for sure <laughs> Serva yeah. and I are like that we're just <laughs> we're buds so do you communicate quite often with Serva? With well, I do, yes, actually. Mm -hmm. uh, um, most tours. How does that go? Well, <laughs> we do. We d I do something called a dark room experience, and it's on the third floor. It's a concentrated spirit communication, and it's done in almost all darkness, but there has to be some light or you won't see anything. So there we are in the room. We're all gathered, and I welcome the spirits to join us. And then I sit down, and everybody else has to stand during that part. And I asked Charles, can Serva join mm -hmm. us? Can, can you come? Because they're always together. You know, they have to be together. And we have a visit from her. She walks in the door. She comes right over to my knees here. And I can feel her. Now, I have, um, sometimes it's harder for me to see apparitions, which would look just like us sitting here, mm -hmm. you know, a whole person. Uh, I see her more of a, of a wraith, I call it. It's, it's kind of a shadow mm -hmm. or a mist. So when I stick my hand down into her, they can see me sticking my hand down, and then I'll move it like this, and it's like a stream. You can see her energy moving. And if she's welcomed by the people, by the tour people, she calls them, that will, she'll go over there and, and uh, have an in, encounter with them. What if you have a non-believer? Does it, does it affect that moment? Not too much, because there's more believers than there are, at least open people open. than there yeah, are. that's a great way to put it, open. Yeah, than there are not complete right. non-believers because there's, 
you know, I, there's different reasons why people come here. Sometimes it's because they want to do more, they want to find out more about ghosts, or it's Halloween season, yeah. or, or they just want to, they just want a new experience or something fun to do, you know. Uh, but, um, you know, there could be that somebody made them come with them, you know, and they're dragging them here. So that could be the skeptic that's in the crowd. I think that this room is a bright room, bright colors mm -hmm. and everything. So sometimes there it is a more benign room. You know, there isn't as much spirit activity, but that isn't necessarily always right. the case because people have told me stories about being in bed and having something sit on the bed with them. And right here? Right here, right that same bed. It's okay. You'll, you'll, it's okay. <laughs> I'm here. <laughs> you'll, you'll protect me. You know, it's me. funny because I used to be the most frightened person in the world. Like when I'd start my tour in the very beginning, those 20-some-odd years ago, I would open the back door. I'm, t I'm giving away a secret here. In the <laughs> I would open the back door, and then I'd go real fast to the front door, and I'd open that, and so they'd both be open. So if I had to make a quick getaway, I could do it. And then no, I'm okay. I can be here by myself. But see, we're in the middle of the daylight. Nothing's going to happen during the day, uh, right? That's not necessarily true. You know? <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, let's go across the hall. I see the, uh, uh, the pocket doors, but you've got two bedrooms here. Well, that's because it was William and Julia's bedrooms. Now, if you've ever been to some really wealthy people's home, well, you have in your business, but, uh, but in olden times, right. you know, a lot of times they didn't share a bedroom. Look, no. go to Abraham Lincoln's house. He has a bedroom, Mary has mm -hmm. a bedroom. So it's the same here. Or maybe he snored or something. So, that, so this was William's bedroom, and that was her bedroom. Okay. That pocket door is interesting. Now, I have heard, and, and I kind of uh, found out the facts on it, that for every hinged door you had, whether it be a closet or a bathroom or a room, that you were charged a room tax for it. So they put those pockets. That's why there's so many pocket doors. There's no hinges. And there's no closets in this room at all. They use these big pieces of furniture. And in fact, these are pretty modern, but, but they, the same thing was used. Mm -hmm. Yeah. William was the first suicide in the family, and it's what pretty year tragic. Are we at? 1904. Okay. It all started in 1901, though. And I had mentioned that his son, Frederick, had died mm -hmm. um, of tuberculosis. But Frederick was his favorite son. He was the one that he had pinned all of his hopes on. He wanted him to be the successor uh, as the president of the brewery, even though he was a younger son. Now, Billy, that was his sadness, because his father, when he was deciding to retire, told Billy, well, you can't handle it. I'm going to give the job to Frederick. Mm -hmm. And at that just just hurt Billy so much. But Frederick got sick, and they sent him to California. They weren't sure what it was, but the climate in Pasadena is better than St. Louis, so they sent him out there, and he was doing pretty good. They got reports back and forth, but William and Julia, that, you know, and, and particularly William, was beside himself with, with worry. He wanted to see his boy. So he made the train trip out there. He was doing better, Frederick was. He lived there with his wife and their little infant daughter. So he came back to St. Louis to plan this big celebration for Frederick's return. Now it's getting to be Christmas time, and it's 1901. It was, it was December 12th. And uh, Julia, the mother, had gone out Christmas shopping early in the morning, and William was in the library <laughs> reading a book, and the servants were decorating the house for Christmas. And a knock comes to the front door, and there's a man there with a telegram, and the telegram says that his son Frederick had died. Mm. And he had died very suddenly of an aneurysm of his heart due to his disease. 
the mother comes home, Julia, with the daughters, and they look up on the porch. Now, William Lamp was a very short man, and, but, he, and, but he was a powerhouse, you know, you've got to know that. But he was still, he was collapsed on the porch in a chair bent over, and it was snowing, and the snow was piling on top of him, and he had no coat or hat or gloves, and they panicked. They ran up to him, what is it, what is it? And he holds this, oh, this is sad. He holds this paper up, and he goes, my boy, my boy is dead. And from that moment on, he gave up. He didn't want to live. He had a business to run. He, he was part of the board of directors for the St. Louis World's Fair of 04. Yeah. He barely did that. In fact, he quit that. Mm -hmm. And so the years went by just a little bit more. So in uh, January 1st of 1904, his best friend died. His best friend had been his childhood friend. And when Adam, his father, had sent for William to come from Germany, he came with this friend, and this friend's name was Frederick Pabst, of Pabst Pat Blue Ribbon. Ribbon? Yes. Oh, and in wow. fact, he started that dynasty. And so they were, they were best friends until the end. So a little bit of time went by, February. And William had spent most of his time then not at work. You know, he used to know all of his his employees by name and their families and their stories. And he paid them in cash, so he'd hand them their wages and so forth. But he quit doing that, and everyone was so worried because he was so erratic. So on the morning of his suicide, he and Julia went down and had breakfast together, which was their pattern. Mm -hmm. She went out to do the fresh marketing, which she did every morning. He came back up here because he told her that he wasn't feeling very well. I'm going to go lay down. He came up here. He locked both of the doors. His bed was against that wall. And he got a, a gun from his dresser, and he fired one single shot into his head. It was a loud noise, but it was muffled. And the servants were the only people here. They came rushing up here and said, Mr. Lamp, are you OK? Mr. Lamp, are you OK? And there was no answer. So they ran to the phone, got his sons here. Now they're pounding on the door. Father, father, let us in. And the door burst open, and there he was laying there. But he was also still alive. Hmm. He lingered long enough for Julia to be found at the market and to cradle him in her arms. And then he died. And that was on uh, February 13, 1904. And she died in 1906 of cancer. Wow. And he's not a spirit here. I have a theory that sometimes the earthbound spirits come from that fact of a suicide or a murder or even a sudden car accident or you know, a death of a child. They're stuck. Mm -hmm. But in this case, I think that his son Frederick was here and helped him in that transition. Mm -hmm. But as I told you, she remains here for Zeke. She's looking for Is him. there one spirit that has more of a presence? I would think Charles. And then next, Billy. Billy is, uh, he likes ladies. So it ha sometimes a, a woman will feel her, him, someone standing right oh. in front of him or standing at her side. Okay, and she, you know, she's just like, what, what is that feeling I'm feeling? Oh. And he's just looking at you like, ooh, I kind of like you, you know, that. And Charles is just there because he, he's walking around all the time and he makes his presence known to whoever will notice him. He likes it. We were doing the dark room. We couldn't get up in the upstairs, so we were doing it in the vault. Mm -hmm. And there's met, uh, iron doors, mm -hmm. so the big vault door I closed, and then there's two little ones. And we're all standing there, we're doing it, and all of a sudden the one goes, opens. <laughs> and poor Michelle, my assistant, jumped like three feet. Oh my, she said a bad word. I mean, you know, and then she, and then it happened again, and it opened even more. So somebody was getting our attention. 
there's a lot of cats that will come out and they'll rub on your ankles like a cat will do. Mm -hmm. or I call it making bread on your kneading, toes, yeah. kneading your yeah. bread, uh, kneading your bread, <laughs> kneading your toes and stuff like that. So there's so many pictures of these cats. Wow. They can manifest in just big green eyes or tiny little green specks that you're seeing. You go, oh, well, that's a cat. <laughs> you know, so that the cats are pretty wonderful. But the dogs are too. There's a little yappy dog too. A little, I call her Winnie. I don't know if that's her name. I just call her that I because that's. She lived in the house? I, she, I think she lived maybe during that boarding house time, but okay. I'm not sure. And she's a little yapper, like, that kind of dog. And she, I've only heard her, but I've got pictures of her so nice. that other people have taken. So it's kind of, it's great. This has been great. Thank you so much. It's been you know, if anybody wants to get a hold of me, they need yes. to call me directly okay. uh, for a tour. Now, if you've got Lemp Mansion, uh, questions you can call so them. And if anybody has any questions or they just want to talk about this, tell them to call okay. me. I'm, I always love to talk to people. Thank you so much. Melody, I thought it was very interesting because one of the things that I noticed is the, the suites. There were a couple of suites. The Lavender Suite was one of them. Across the hall was another one. These rooms are very large and they actually were divided by tall, big, solid pocket doors and we asked Betsy about that and and she had you know kind of an interesting answer she did she said well you know it could have been taxes for the number of hinges, of hinges which I I had never heard of that they would actually base your taxes on the number of doors or the number of hinges and of course pocket doors don't have hinges well and one of the things that I thought maybe in 1911 the lint did remodel the home to turn True. it into offices. And so with that 1911 remodel, if you think about those pocket doors, I mean, and you use them in, you know, office buildings even now. We do. You know, you can yeah. slide them back and forth and create a big conference space or close it up. So I thought, I wonder if maybe that had something to do with it too. And I wasn't there for the remodel though. <laughs> you weren't there in 1911? Yeah. Maybe <laughs> we should ask William. You know, speaking of pocket doors, since this is the Art of Custom podcast, I have to sneak in. A lot of our clients want to put pocket doors in their house. Now, I'm a fan of pocket doors because I think if used in the right application, they're, they're space savers and you don't have to worry about the door swings and everything else. But I will tell you the one thing I appreciated about those pocket doors, they were solid wood, which I would also tell our clients because those aren't going to warp. Um, but then the other thing is make sure if you are putting pocket doors in your beautiful home, you use really good pocket door hardware, the tracks that they go in, because a lot of times the frames are cheap and the, the pocket doors just won't work very well. So I know I kind of got away from our eerie podcast going <laughs> on, but I wanted to be able to add a little bit of an educational flair to it as well. Well, you know, I felt like the size of the pocket doors also just kind of added to that feeling. They were they, huge. They were so what do you think they were? Ceilings. 10 feet? Oh, at least. Maybe 12? Yeah, I mean, yeah. it was crazy. On a second floor, too. Yeah. So that was gorgeous. It really did add to the grandeur mm -hmm. of the room with all of the carvings. and Oh, what a gorgeous home. I mean. It was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. I'm a believer that there are spirits. Now, you're probably going to have people listening to this who think I'm crazy, and but I truly believe everybody can kind of have their own opinion. It's one of those things that when you're in that environment, I don't know whether you're you've prepped yourself before you go in to kind of feel it. And so you're experiencing maybe some things that really aren't there, but I don't know. I just felt unusual inside that mansion. It's this weird feeling as if you're a part of history, not go. that you're stepping back into history, you know, like I've been in, you know, historic homes before. It, it feels like you're part of this, like 
living, breathing kind of piece of history. It's really a different feeling that comes over you. I, I love how Betsy said people are open to the idea of spirits. I liked that. That was yeah. really good. And I would agree. That's I'm open to the idea. I don't know that I'm a believer, but I'm open. That's such a great way to put it. Um, and, and she was so interesting because we would talk to her about how she is communicated with and, and what she feels and hears and sees and everything else. But I, I'm so interested in this that I really would like to go back and either check out, you know, some of the coverage that has been on either Ghost Hunters or Ghost Adventures or CNN Travels. I'm truly going to go back and look that up. I encourage our listeners to do the same thing because it's such a cool structure. South St. Louis, Lemp Mansion, Check it out. I mean, it, it's the season to be entertained and spooked a little bit, right? Absolutely. And um, Stephen Walker wrote, it's called Limp the Haunting History. If you want to read up on it, you can see photos of the home and read stories about the individuals that lived in the home. And one of the things that I loved about Betsy's, the way she talked about it is she talked about the people who lived there and not just the ghost stories. And you really get a sense of, okay, what the Limp family, you know, kind of was like. And we have so many cool beer barons around here in St. Louis. <laughs> we really <Lewis>. do. <laughs> so, and, you know, the, the ties with the Pabst family. Mm-hmm. and was very the, interesting. Yeah, with the Bushes. Um, there are some really cool stories. And Edwin Limp, he was a huge supporter of, we have one of the best zoos in oh, the country here. Free, may I add that it's free as well. Which That's is incredible. insane, yeah. right? He is actually part of the reason that we got our first two African lions and um, helped design the bird menagerie Mm -hmm. (laughs) there. And he was the youngest limp, and he had basically a zoo on his property (laughs) right outside of downtown St. Louis in Kirkwood, Missouri. So there are a lot of little other homes around here in the suburbs in St. Louis that have those really cool stories tied into history. You know, I just realized that there is definitely a downside to building a new home, building a custom home. Oh, you can't say that. There is. No. There's no history. There's no ghosts. There's nothing. You know what? What I love about Create your own ghost. (laughs) Well, but what I love about the custom building process is you get to select all of these cool nooks and crannies. Yeah, that's true. I mean, you can pull in the pocket doors. You can, you know, add the really cool moldings Mm -hmm. and things like that. And you, you know... I mean, you could do it, you know, if you start semi-custom with a plan, too. But we built a a modern farmhouse out in Wildwood for the um, Chorzell family. Mm -hmm. And they had, you know, the window seats, and it just had that. And a lot of the reclaimed and repurposed wood flooring and and stair rails and newel posts and and things like that. So you're right. You're absolutely right. But, you know, hopefully we didn't stray too far with this episode of The Art of Custom. It just seemed like such a, a fun episode when you came to me and started explaining the idea it didn't take me long to say I'm in because I love Halloween, um, love ghost stories, love the history of St. Louis. There's some beautiful mansions. The Lemp Mansion happens to be one of them. Uh, interesting thing is when, when talking with Betsy, you know, people actually can can book an, an overnight stay there. And she says many times, though, people come running out and, and will not finish their stay because something they hear or see or they're just too scared. Well, I'm actually going to link to the Lemp Mansion's oh, website um, in our show notes. So if you're coming through St. Louis or if you live in St. Louis, you can spend some time with Betsy, too. I mean, how fun would that be? She's so cool. She is, and I know she gives <laughs> tours every Monday, and I also know they have a special chicken dinner that she's a part of 
every Sunday. She so, did. yeah, I mean, if you're in the St. Louis area ever, just kind of look up the Limp Mansion. I think it'd be kind of a fun stop. And we mentioned the zoo. The zoo's an awesome place. We have right. the largest park in uh, the United States with Forest Park. Right. Um, so there's a lot, to, a lot to do in the St. Louis area. So what did we miss? Anything? You know, I do want to say that if you guys liked this format, kind of hearing the stories about houses and all of that, let us know your feedback. If, yeah. You know, maybe we can do some more fun home stories that stray off the beaten path. <laughs> you know, one I'm going to throw out in the mix right now and maybe people could respond to is that in Utah, of course, there's a lot of old abandoned coal mines and gold mines and everything else. Yes. And there's an individual out there who is an expert at all of that. And, and I've heard him talk about some of these abandoned mines and I keep thinking maybe that would be a fun podcast we're building in Utah we like to stray off the beaten path occasionally maybe we should talk about some of that cool history too so something to think about right and I I do believe that some of the um Utah's a big center for modern architecture yes it is so you know, there's a lot of really cool home stories mm-hmm. to be told out there as well so yeah, yeah give us a call at 314-266-9709 or shoot us an email we would love to hear your feedback and Leave us a review if you dare. <laughs> and uh, coming up on our second bonus episode of the season. See, we <laughs> normally do 10 episodes. This was 11. We actually have a 12th one coming up. What's that one going to focus on? We are going to talk to Zach Smythe, who is uh, known around the world, actually, for his unique container home. He's been featured on a couple of Netflix specials. And he's going to come in and talk to us about making your home unique. And more and more people are doing that with container homes. So uh, mark your calendar. We will be coming out with that episode before long. And thank you so much for participating in the uh, Haunting of Lemp Mansion episode that we just brought you. Hopefully you've enjoyed it. And we look forward to having you join us again on our next episode of The Art of Custom. For more information, visit www.artofcustompodcast.com or find us on Facebook as The Art of Custom and on Twitter at Art of Custom Pod. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts to get the latest episodes and please rate and review to help us grow. The Art of Custom is produced by Hug Monster Sound with original music by Adam Frick-Ferdine. Thanks for listening.